Hello and welcome to this episode of Fitness Unfiltered, which we are currently recording on the birthday of Emma Story Gordon, which meant that we thought it would be an appropriate time to reflect on all of the lifestyle and life advice that we are given through the wonders of social media and the general word world of inspo. Emma, happy birthday and how are you? Thank you, and I am very, very well, thank you. How are you? I am fine. Dan, how are you? I'm good. I'm jealous of Emma celebrating her birthday in style, because is this our first time with anyone in Mexico? Possibly. It's exciting. Mexican guest. And we have a very special guest in Mexico as well, um, who I think is now officially the first person to have been on this podcast three times. No, more. Four. It's four or five. I think it might be five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, sure basically, <laughs> fourth member of Fitness Unfiltered, Dr. Whether Amelia she Thompson. Hi. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thanks for letting me chum in. I'm How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm absolutely great. It's I was going to make her just sit at the other side of the table and not speak. Yeah. <laughs> <I asked laughs> it would be so weird. Could you imagine? Yeah, Amelia's here, but I've just asked her not to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we suddenly just say, okay, thank, thanks for your time, Amelia. <laughs> it was nice to see you. <laughs> Moving on. But now bye-bye. <laughs> so um, I've, I've curated a few quotes that I would like to discuss. These are things that I, that I have seen lots in the world of social media. And I thought that I would probably start off with... I've I've put in a few that I think are great and a few that I think are quite um, less great. And I'm interested to see which ones you think are great versus less great before I reveal my own feelings on them. Quote number one. So then we're going to say if they're overrated or underrated, right? For sure, for sure. sure. Quote number one. Only dead fish go with the flow. Uh, I don't know how, like, how much that resonates with me. <laughs> like, it's true, but, like, what's the underlying meaning here? What, if you're literally, only if you're dead, you'll go with the flow? I mean, like, not just dead, but a dead fish? <laughs> think back to when you was last a fish. Come on. Oh, I think, yeah, now. exactly. Like, just imagine I think basically what this is saying is that if you're going with the flow like going with the flow is a bad thing you shouldn't be going with the flow you should be creating your own flow what about Uh, Buddhist fish Buddhists always go with the flow that's one of those things is it relax like not relax into it but like be very accepting of things yeah explore things as they crop up rather than pre-plan yeah is this life lessons or is it wanky quotes well they're supposed to be life lessons I mean I think that this is this is the the latter for sure but I think that what this highlights which I find quite interesting is like you you see the sort of quotes and advice and stuff banded around and you go oh yeah sometimes and then you actually start thinking about it and you realize how ridiculous a a lot of them actually are if you actually put it into context I've never heard that one no I know well I wanted to start with one that that was a bit out there because I thought if I started low so it can only get from here exactly exactly 
So are you ready for quote number two? We've, I think we've decided that that's a bit underrated because it's not so relatable. Um, you mean overrated? <laughs> if it's underrated, underrated. Yeah. I, yeah, why, yeah. You know, sometimes I listen back to podcasts and I think that wasn't what I was thinking in my head when I said <laughs> it. Yeah, but you're telling all your patients about it tomorrow. Have you heard this quote? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Love it. I actually genuinely really like this quote. I, I also think really it translates like to anything. It's like best time to start resistance training 20 years ago, second best time today. Like, yeah, of course, it would have always been better to start earlier, but actually there's nothing you can do about that. So you may as well start now. Not always. But, and I think what's also interesting about it <laughs> is that, that like quite frequently, particularly in general world, in the general world of people who aren't very motivated um, and people who aren't necessarily engaged in, in sort of lifestyle changes that they might want to be engaged in. One of the biggest factors that holds them back is that people think that it's too late, I think. And that is actually, it's not just that it's not too, like, it, like what the quote is saying is it's not just that you still can make changes. It's that you don't have to let the fact that you haven't already not made changes stop you from making them. Like, actually, if you continue to do that, that's obviously a bad thing. Like, I think it's funny, like, talking about it with you guys, it seems really obvious because I think this is something that we've probably spoken about quite a lot of times. But I think that one of the biggest factors that does hold people back in making changes and stuff is, like, that sunk cost fallacy as well, is that they've sort of just been doing something one way for a very long time and therefore they think it's then like too late to change oh, yeah, and so not worth changing yeah like all areas of life like, oh yeah with it, like that is what I really wanted to do but I should have done it years ago yeah it's, it's the same with like a totally different example but like investments and stuff it's like yeah I wish I'd started investing when, when I was 20 well you didn't but you can still make an investment like you can still yeah. do savings now or whatever yeah wish I'd got crypto three years ago yeah, exactly. Don't we all? But it is strange that, like that, that that really does put people off. Like, oh, I wish I'd started exercising when I was younger, or wish I'd started dieting. What is that horrible saying? It's like, wish I'd started dieting when I first thought I was fat, and now I'm like, however yeah. far like beyond that. But yeah, I, I like that. Like, the best time to start is now. Yeah. Is I've genuine. I've said that so many times. I've said in the past, oh, I wish I had, you know, when I thought I was, I, and I, you know, anyway, that is, Dan, what, what do you think? I have nothing further to add. I, I might just caveat one. a lot with a lot of these with probably uh, with a lot of these, I just, I find that a lot of them are quite disconnected and a lot with these stoic quotes, I just find are, are often met with a bit of an eye roll as in they're vaguely applicable on some level, but also quite detached from most people's reality. As in an eye roll from you or an eye roll from gen like An eye roll from me. And that's not necessarily that example, but just generally, I think with quotes, especially things to do with lions and wolves, which is why I'm interested to listen to other people's opinions but this on some is, of these. But I agree with you totally, because I think that part of the issue is that what a quote is doing is it's belittling, it's like spinning something down into a simple sentence when actually the reality of doing that is is super difficult you're not planting a tree you're changing your entire life like it's actually still really difficult to do 
it's just yeah but sometimes like it is it might be difficult but it is that simple and I think sometimes that's why quotes are useful yeah. because it yeah it actually is that simple as starting so I think then easy or that there won't be other complications but at the end of the day like it is as simple as just starting Hmm. So I think that then this is then a good time to discuss this quote, which I think is related to both of those concepts. Um, if you don't make time for wellness now, you may, you will, oh, I don't know the quote, but it's if you don't take time, if you don't make time for your wellness now, you will have to make time, you'll be forced to make time for your illness later. And again, I think this is this is exactly what that is, is that you can't then go, oh, OK, cool. I'll just like give my kids to someone else and join a gym or I'll just change my shift work and just do a different job or something like that. OK, uh, well, I'm quite passionate about this one. I know. Well, that's I think, why I thought it'd be good to discuss it. Like, I think there's numerous elements to this. Like one that is borderline shaming people into change. I don't really like that. But I do like the encouragement of like, I mean, there's pretty cool stats around doing like two hours of exercise, adding an hour of, no, one hour of exercise, adding two hours to your life, et cetera, et cetera. Like it is essentially like making you time. And I think the other massive misconception is you need to go to the gym five times a week for an hour to get any results. Like literally doing 20 minutes, three times a week at home is going to mm. give you massive health benefits. That's what we need to be like encouraging people to do. So when they say there isn't enough time, like really, like there is, you do, you can find 20 minutes three times a week. I agree. And also, if you come at it from a compassionate stance, then similar to what you said, yeah, there's an element of like, oh, a little bit shameful there. But on the flip side of that, that is the ultimate self-compassion question. What will your future self thank you for? That's like the, the ultimate question you can ask yourself to try and be proactive in what you're trying to do in order to get to where you want to be that is supportive of you and in this situation that's exactly what that is it's just worded in a slightly worse way but I think I think it's great apart from slight undertone of shame yeah uh, just to echo that one of my and for someone who's not a big fan of quotes time is precious waste it wisely which I, I think is left more to interpretation in terms of what you prioritize what you value in life rather than it being something with an underlying message that it should be fear-based. Like, you know, you see how media perpetuate certain body shapes as a means of encouraging behavior change. Whereas something like time is precious, wasted wisely is left to your interpretation and what you really value to do with that time. Yeah, I think that's important because it's talking, yeah, it's getting people to actually decide what their own priorities are. And I think if you actually boil it down, you will you you have you know you, you will prioritize your health if you are if you're faced with, with making those decisions but I think that where this quote goes wrong particularly like we're talking about is when it's used by people to to, to basically say you should be going to the gym five times a week mm. because if you can watch if you can watch Netflix for an hour you can go to the gym for an hour but actually we know that that's not true because you can do quite a lot of things in your house while you're while you're like watching Netflix but you can't leave the house and go to the gym at any time you want to if you have things like work and whatever to do. We've all got the same 24 hours in a day. Like, like I get both sides of that in the, but you still could, could spend that hour at home working out if you wanted to. No, that's not to say that's easy, but I think it was such an empowering thing is owning your decisions. So stop telling yourself that you don't have time if you're still watching TV. You're saying, I do have time. Maybe I don't have energy. Maybe I don't have the motivation to do that. Maybe there are other barriers to doing it. 
but it's not the fact I don't have time. And then it's your own decision. Like I have decided with this time, I'm going to watch TV. That's fine. That's your decision. But that's how you like own your life. That's how you don't just let life happen to you. You're actually intentional with your actions. But I think like, what was the quote you just said, Dan, about wasting time? Time is precious, waste it wisely. Yeah, I think that's hard. Because as you say, like people interpret it in different ways. And sometimes you'll get people push back from the like, from that kind of thing when you're trying to encourage people to make like a small amount of time to exercise something with like, well, if it was the last day on earth, you wouldn't go to the gym, would you? Or like, you know, live in the moment. Some extreme, yeah. Like it's your, you know, what would you do on the last day? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, right, but you kind of got like hope that like what you were saying about like, what would your future self be thankful for? And think like that as opposed to YOLO. I think that one, again, what we were, as we were saying before, the key point of this is like, I just think when we band these quotes around, if we if we just have a recognition that it's still hard, it's not just like, oh yeah, super easy, just do, just train at home. Like, like you were saying, you might not have the energy to do it. It might be really difficult, but it is worth doing, but it is worth owning it, but it is worth valuing yourself enough to do it. It is worth being compassionate enough to, um, to, to actually be able to, and I agree with that as well, but also don't make it out to be harder than it is. Like it actually isn't that hard to do 20 minutes of exercise. What do you know? You live, work and eat in the fitness industry and you're- Yeah, and I do, skinny, 20, skinny and like, I do 20 times that, but I think it's I unhelpful for <laughs> to tell people like, it's going to be fucking hard. And like, get, like, yeah, it would be hard to do the amount of training that I do for someone who's inactive. But it's not like, don't put these barriers up to yourself that it's like an ability problem. It's absolutely not. Like you can start where you are. And actually, if you are quite unfit, then you probably don't need to do very much to increase your fitness. Like it can be 10 minute workout or like a bare minimum stuff to get you going. Yeah, I do agree yeah. with you, by the way. I was just being facetious. Yeah, I, I do I think... Like, sorry, I'd also like to say that I actually did a workout with ESG this morning and I nearly my arms nearly fell off she had to get some input and I had to do two because I couldn't I needed some time off because it was too hard and that we were having a discussion earlier weren't we I was saying it's so it's so easy to obviously we work with various levels of people in terms of where they're starting with exercise but it's so easy to forget what it feels like to go into something new and the way that Emma trains is really different to the way that I train and I never ever train arms for example and I genuinely was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to lift up my glass tomorrow. It was that hard. And it's been a long time since I've been truly humbled in that way in the gym. And it's nice because it's like, you would you would think, okay, I'm sure I could keep up. But I actually couldn't. And I was quite far behind. <laughs> like, oh, that's, this is what it feels like. This is good. It's good. It is, I think that is quite a nice feeling. Yeah. Especially when you have like your training experience. Yeah. That you're like, oh, okay. And this can happen so easy. It definitely happens to me at times. Like if I've only been training up by, on my own for a period of time, I'm like, oh, my sessions have gradually kind of got easier and easier and easier. And then you're like, I don't know, then you might train with someone else and you're like, shit, that's the intensity I used to train at. I don't know if I've ever trained like that. <laughs> you're just trying to impress you and me. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to add um, one for I just can I just quickly add one further point because yes, I, I do think striking the balance with messaging in social media especially I think there are f- quite a few that capitalize on like nocebo by telling people how difficult things are it can you explain to us what a nocebo is the opposite of placebo in that in which if negative connotations are presented to people 
inherit negative experiences that they may or may not have, the likelihood of them experiencing them is much, much greater. So if we try to be too relatable with people and we try to tell them that things will be difficult, then the likelihood of them experiencing difficulty is huge and much harder. And it becomes less about empowering people and more disempowering to them. And I think striking a balance between being empowering and also enabling certain mentalities within fitness is a bit of an issue. You know, that that's what I think is the most challenging thing for, for me as a consumer of social media is like, and, and especially when I was trying to, to, to engage in lifestyle change, it's, it's meeting that balance between people that oh, don't worry about it. You don't want to give yourself a poor relationship with food. You don't want to overexert yourself. You don't want to get injuries. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And, and the other side of the coin of what you actually want to achieve, I think can be really, really tough to balance, especially if you don't, like if you don't have a great knowledge of your own limits and psychology, like if you don't have a lot of self-awareness and we spoke about self-awareness last week on the podcast and how even when we think we've got a lot of self-awareness, we often don't. And that's what's so hard, isn't it? Because like I've, I've definitely tricked myself out of exercising. I've tricked myself in, into eating food that I didn't need or want to eat because, you know, I didn't want to quote unquote restrict myself based on, you know, what, what sometimes people will say on, on social media. And I think like, I don't know if this is a controversial thing to say or not, but I think a lot of the time when people put stuff on social media, they're talking to themselves. Like they're, they're not, they're not necessarily thinking, oh, how is the best way to engage in helping this audience? they're talking, they're sending out a message that they think that they might need to hear perhaps subconsciously or even consciously. Um, and, you know, if they're struggling with over-restricting, they might be putting out a message that you don't need to over-restrict to try and reinforce their belief that they don't have to. Just in the same way that like, you know, when I was struggling to adhere to a diet, I might put up a message about adherence and about how it's worth it and about how I'm just yeah. going to keep going and all that kind of stuff. Like, I would agree with that. I don't think it happens so much with good coaches who listen. Oh to no, them. no, no, like, no! I agree I'm with very that. Much like, I kind of for the vast majority of my posts, I will think, "Who is this helpful for?" I mean, either it will be inspired by a check-in or something that's come up in the group. But you're, I'm kind of thinking, "Is this helpful to my clients?" As opposed to, but that's the difference between like Mike. Yours is more of like a personal blog, basically, yeah. and following a coach who's. Yeah putting out information to help their niche. Like sure. But I think that's the thing about social media is that a lot of people are, are without realizing engaging in personal blogs rather than, rather than um, people who are actually experts. And I think this is the second quote that we're going to have to caveat your defense of with, yeah, but you're ESG. Like you are, you are a brilliant coach. And I'm not just saying that because it's your birthday, but you are very good at, at your content and about, nuance and about judging what is appropriate but what percentage of people who do who put fitness content on social media are as experienced and as knowledgeable as you are about those things I don't I would argue like not a massive percentage and I don't expect you to answer that because you're ESG well it's but. exactly no I I get what you're saying and I think that as like a consumer, you can sort of view this. And this is one of the reasons that a lot of the time, not always, but like bodybuilders who are competing and also trying to coach as well, like 
their messaging can be a little bit confusing because some of it as you said is almost a note to self like work harder you never get the results that you don't work for blah 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 which they might need to hear but is that helpful for their clients who they're saying they're helping with their relationship with food like I see this all the time I've got a lot of personal trainers who are clients who have come from being lean competing photo shoots etc and they have got a lot of clients from that and then they're trying to move into like they're trying to improve their relationship with food and they say I have absolutely no idea now how to put my content out because I say what I need to hear but my clients have come off the back of me being lean and it's not what they need to hear and it's transitioning from putting the information out there that like you said that that is the information of a good coach and what your clients hear versus what the advice you need to hear is Lucy Lord and she once said to me we often give the advice that we most need to hear I think I said that on the podcast as well and I was like okay I feel slightly attacked when she replied to one of my emails um but yeah I think I think that's the same sort of thing it's like we often do 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 that and it's human nature but if you're a very good professional you don't but most of social media is not like that and it depends because sometimes like if if you're in the same situation as your clients then yeah like it potentially is the advice that they need to hear as well as the advice that you need to hear and it is interesting because like a lot of Amelia and I's content uh, content will conflict each other but it's because a lot of my clients need to hear that they can't eat pizza every weekend and a lot of Amelia's clients need to hear that they can eat pizza every weekend because they're very different like problems that people are struggling with even though it might seem like we're very similar on on the surface but like actually our clients who we work with have very different situations mm-hmm. you'll see that if you see ESG likes this post this post this post ESG doesn't like this post ESG like no, this. But I, I normally but, still like yeah, them it's same. not that I don't like them and it's not that I'm not like that's a really fucking useful message mm. for these people yeah but I'm also like that's actually quite harmful to my pop that's like really unhelpful for yeah. example like telling people that they can eat pizza every weekend when they're trying to lose fat and they're really struggling with adherence and they don't have great self-control or portion size or you know like that isn't particularly helpful mm-hmm. especially coming from someone who's quite lean like, like what then then you can see why people jump straight to the conclusion of there must be something wrong with my metabolism if Amelia can look like that and eat pizza every weekend I must be doing something wrong and it's like no there's the context of energy balance over the week and not eating a full pizza potentially or whatever but, so I'm going to yeah. give you I'm going to give you a quote about that by um well I won't say who it's by some people need to know they can eat a donut and still be healthy some people need to know they cannot eat a donut and still be happy who's that from it's rubbish that's mine and you know it and that's mean (laughs) (laughs) I thought I've definitely heard seen this you walked into that one man I did (laughs) I wasn't actually asking for a review of that one I was just saying that reminded me of of that quote but I think it's true isn't it something I once said (laughs) um (laughs) that's that um that's that Norman Osborne meme isn't it I'm quite the scientist myself from Spider-Man yeah I love that (laughs) from something of a scientist myself um yeah I I totally agree with everything that you have said on that it is um I, I do think um a lot of coaches are the coach they needed at some point in their journey and not necessarily with their messaging, but just oh, I like that. Yeah. how they communicate with their clients. So whether it's, so use an example of me, 
when I do weekly check-ins with clients, I remember being a client that waited for that weekly check-in. So often not getting that feedback when you was expecting it was quite a big deal. Mm. So I hold myself to a professional standard that feedback will always be within a time frame that I've promised it, just something as small as that. And yeah, I think that's so true. Putting yourself in those in those shoes, like, what would I want if I was struggling with this at this time? What kind of support would I have benefited from or would, would have made it easier for me to get the results that I wanted in this situation? Like, yeah, I think that for sure is it, and definitely a good way to think about things, especially if you're doing potentially like quite a lot of check-ins and you're like, mm. well, this is the 10th check-in I'm doing today. Well, it's their only one. Yeah. Like, it still needs to be or, or even if it's like you know you value good communication it's being able to actually contact that person saying it might be a bit late but the effects of and having coached a lot of people through competitions and stuff like that not getting that person their feedback and not explaining to them why can be them unraveling at the start of the next week so i do think that's quite important it can be them for face first and to cheat now <laughs> This is another example, though, isn't it? This is this is exactly why we should be listening to coaches and, and professionals rather than listening to just people with six packs or people who, who look like how we want to look, for example, because that's this is the nuance in the in the type of advice and the type of attitude that we get is that actually if you're not a professional in a, in a situation, you know, you might know what you think got you to where you are but that might not be what's going to get your clients to where they need to be. And that's what you won't know because you're not a coach, which is, yeah, another, another thing. Right. Just another quote of mine. <laughs> it's, it's not another quote of mine. It's just another quote. Um, <laughs> some of the stuff that I've written down. Um, Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. That's horrible. <laughs> Why do you think we're... <laughs> <laughs> you two are on holiday together. I just thought, you know what? I mean, it's one of my biggest enemies. So I'm going to like find a way to just infiltrate into her life, force her to work with me, take her down from the inside. <laughs> I did? think it's one of the most... Like, to me, it's one of, that's one of the most negative... <laughs> Because I was, I thought I was trying to put in a couple of things that just are, are general quotes that people talk about that you hear all the time, not necessarily ones that you like obviously hear on social media or whatever. And I just thought, like, because I was thinking about that quote specifically the other day, and I thought, oh my god, like who came? Like, it's something that people say that all the time, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I know, and it's like, in what context is yeah. that actually useful? In and who came up with that? I'd like to think I haven't got any enemies. Like, unless you're a spy or something. But, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's very relatable. Maybe this was made by spies and it's just been taken over by the general public. Like, isn't that from like a James Bond thing? Like, keep your friends close and your enemies close. It's, it's been in a lot of films. I'm sure a business mentor has shared that at some point on the way. But how much did you definitely adopt that when you were 15 years old and you had a partner? <laughs> all of their female or male friends, you, you were really nice to them because you, you were like, I have to keep them Frenemies. Close. Exactly. Frenemies. Definitely. So I, I do think that this brings us to an interesting point because there's a lot of talk about like the the kind of like the people that you surround yourself and, you know, environment dictates performance is actually a quote that I quite like. I think environment does dictate performance. And I think that that includes the people that you surround yourself with. But you often see a lot of stuff about how um, like everybody, all the people around you should be 
elevating you, for example. They should be people that you're learning from. But I think that like we and we have spoken about this on on podcasts before, like a really good thing that, that Emma has always mentioned when we've had this discussion is, well, what are you doing to elevate other people? If, if you're always making everyone elevate you, then you can't possibly be elevating other people. So you need to like, I kind of always think that you need different types of people around you for different things. Like, you know, I, I don't think it's wrong that you should have people around you who know about things like investing and business and all that kind of stuff but I also think you should have people around you who are going to like make you laugh or listen to you when when you cry you know like I, I think yeah, they don't actually have to be different people no they can but be I of think course I, they can I, be the I, same I people it, like a lot of people use the quote you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with or just cut out negativity from your life and I'm like Sometimes I hear like really fucking negative people say that. And I'm like, if everyone in your life cut out negative people, like you'd be cut out of everyone's life. Like <laughs> you have to, you have to also be the person that like, if I was like, who are the five people you want to like influence you, you like your whole aim should be to try and be one of those five people for all of your friends. Like that should be your aim from that quote. Like that's what I take from that quote, not actually Mike is probably the sixth person that's most uh, beneficial to my life so I'm going to drop him out like no you're meant to try and be how can I be the oh person God, did I make the top six yeah but then I was had to cut it to five so you're gone <laughs> it's unfortunate but I'm still take that it's as a, a massive world, Mike. <laughs> say what it's a cold world <laughs> it is dog eat dog yeah yeah just another way to dehumanize people isn't it like they're just disposable. If they've got nothing to offer you, they're not worth being around. Also, life's not a zero sum game. Like there's there's a reluctance to lift people up around you, but there's plenty to go around. It's like, you know, I'd like to think I'm friends with people that would speak fondly of me in places where I'm not, if that makes sense. Not necessarily worry that people are saying nasty things about, my, about me behind my back or they're thinking about disposing of me because I haven't got wealth and personal mastery to talk about. Dan's great, but he's never talked about crypto to me. <laughs> exactly. I don't think he has any crypto investments. No. I don't. I don't I'm sorry. And, and he, also, he did send me a like a very unpleasant spider video earlier, but then Amelia did that as well. So if I was to be that was a huge did you actually watch the video? No, of course I didn't, but I have that, seen that video before because it's so unpleasant. It's a so spider to, in a house in Tobago and it's the size of a small child. I'm not an arachnophobe. Real. I would just move out. I think it's real. Do I need to send it to Amelia as well? No, I, I was just saying, do you think there's big spiders here, Amelia? And she was like, shh. As if they were going to Don't talk about them. They'll come out and want to know what's going on. I don't mind a spider. As long as I can skip it up and throw it away, I don't mind Oh, no, this, this one you could not scoop up and throw away. I'll send it. I would like to see it. Okay, I will. I always take great pleasure in telling everyone that September and October is mating season for spiders. I know that's why we we're coming to the end of it. It's brilliant. <laughs> so if they're out and about, that's because they're looking at bumping uglies. I know, but it, and it's it's a tough time for people who don't like spiders because they are literally everywhere. I, I bought you a spider catcher. No, did you see? Oh, I didn't send. So I took a video the other day because I was using it because there was a spider in the corner, but I couldn't get it into the corner. And then I managed to get it and then it fell out. But it's, it is one of the greatest. It's one of the greatest investments. And this is why you are still in my environment. Wow. That and the, and the floor cleaning slippers. 
Yeah, oh yeah, they're a classic. For those <laughs> listening. Like the, these are the kind of presents I give. Like I'm not about like, oh, it's your birthday. I'll send you a really nice bunch of flowers. No, that's not practical. No. What you think about all the time and use all the time. Spider catcher. Emma and sent I... me a message saying, do you have a wooden floor? And I was like, yeah, why? No reason. And then like, <laughs> a few days later, there's basically slippers and the bottom of the slippers are like mop material. So as you're walking around, you're basically cleaning the floor. I mean, it's That's genius. genius right? like, how nobody's thought of that before is completely beyond me. So uh, before we move on from that, I just thought of a quote myself, okay. which is influence broadens horizons. And I think that's quite a good thing about influence is like sometimes you create these like limiting beliefs for yourselves or like glass ceilings. And, and sometimes when you see someone who is a peer of yours doing that, and I think that's what's so special about group coaching, whether that's like business coaching or whether that's fat loss. And you're like, that person's in such a similar position to me, but or like was when they started at least and look at them now. And that can be so much more motivating than seeing me who's like for my adult life always been in pretty good shape. And like that, that can seem like that's so far away was when you're like, oh yeah, but all of these women started where I started and have now achieved this. So I, that's what I think is quite good about influence in terms of groups, group coaching. I think that's a very good quote. I think it is, um, like there's something about relatability which I think is like absolutely massive when it comes to people like and this is something I've massively noticed in mental health like because and we again I think we spoke about this a little bit on the the mental health podcast and about other stuff like I used to be really sorry I used to be really do I keep just saying stuff that I've said already no sorry we're um dancing to music that's outside (laughs) okay thank your own rules it's your birthday do as you're posing so I always used to be a bit closed off about people who, you know, weren't necessarily professionals in the region, like talking about stuff like mental health and things. And the more that I learn about it, the more that I realise that actually people who struggle with their mental health don't necessarily want to hear about it from a doctor who's studied it in a book. They want to hear about it from somebody who's who's struggled with it because and that's who they'll listen to. And it's the same with a lot of a lot of type of stuff. People want to listen to people who they can relate to, which is why people tend to listen to their peers a lot more than they listen to educators and um, professionals about a lot of things, I think. But yeah, I think it breaks down the barriers. I mean, hopefully they would still be referred to a mental health specialist, but if they're like, oh, look, there's a quote-unquote normal person, or there's someone that I actually look up to who's also saying that they've struggled with similar things that I have. And then they don't feel like, oh, there's something shameful about what I'm struggling with that I should try and hide. They're like, oh, look, other people struggle with that. And those people have full lives or have got through that and managed to achieve great things. That's really inspiring, for sure. Don't you think? So we were talking about this the other day that this is actually quite a negative thing, so sorry, but it's definitely taken advantage of within the influence space of people who uh, fake relatability in order to have that effect. And that's definitely clear in terms of like people that I see on social media, where it's like, oh, I've, <laughs> My face. I've had, I don't know, I've, I can't think of anything that's not true right now. An eating disorder. <laughs> I've had an eating disorder, or you know, I, I went through this, my partner subjected me to this, or whatever it is. And it's like 
is that actually what happened or are you trying to create a space where you are relatable because like you said Mike people buy into that and that's what and I think at the moment it's not just the fitness industry but there's people trying to capitalize on relatability that is quite concerning because it's the opposite of relatability and authenticity it's plagiarise it, it, that gives me the heebie it cheapens it like look at my fat rolls look I guys I suffer too because I I can contort myself into this shape and if I do I've got rolls of fat um and it, it's it's in like I it is. people are doing the opposite you know most people just like photoshop themselves skinny oh 100 percent people are doing that yeah for sure <laughs> themselves bigger than they are yeah is is it really it's really interesting because it's like people will do what sells at the end of the day won't they so if if there's that if there's a movement towards something and it's you know you see it a lot like and I guess that's where sometimes I do struggle with it with mental health when people talk you know like people will say oh this is my journey of anxiety but they translate it into I was really anxious three weeks ago so I just um started uh listening to this podcast and now i feel fine you know like it's kind of yeah because you weren't suffering from anxiety you were feeling anxious because you're worried about something and that thing is now finished so you're better and i think that's that's the thing as well right it's like for some people that is all they need it's like write a list and you'll probably feel less anxious and for other people it's like that's so unhelpful Mm -hmm. you should encourage them to go and see a specialist Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, there are many that will do anything for that social currency. And whatever trend it is, they're willing to capitalise on it, whatever that means. Um, but eventually, I think they, they do. And this is what I'm hopeful for. Maybe I sound a bit naive, is that they do come unstuck because I do think we have, a, as humans, a good bullshit radar. And even if we miss a few things, it eventually catches up and almost by being overtly in their words authentic they're being inauthentic and I think people can spot that a mile off eventually if it's every single trend you know I think sometimes happens to those people I think that sometimes with a bit of life experience they actually do end up having something that is relatable and they end up focusing on that instead and actually they end up becoming somehow authentic I think because I guess with a lot of influencers and people in this position they're often just very very young people with not very much life experience so therefore they're trying to like clutch onto these little things but as time goes on they can often they they they'll grow up it would be funny if more people like I'm thinking of certain people I'm obviously not going to say names but it's like yeah, I used to work in the corporate world and like I felt stifled by my nine to five job. And I'm like, you're 21. You can't possibly have worked in the corporate world for more than six weeks. Like genuinely given the timeline that you've given, yeah, I dropped out of uni when I was 20. And then, you know, and it's like, you're you're literally 21 years old. How long did you work a corporate job for? Like, which is fine. But I'm like, of course what? you were stifled because your job in the corporate world was like data entry because you'd only been working in the corporate yeah, world for yeah. like two weeks. So of course you were stifled. I did internship for a week and I completely <laughs> resonated. <laughs> it was tough. The ironic thing about that mental health narrative as well, which I think is a genuine concern because I'm not mocking it. I think those people that do anything to chase likes are actually subjecting themselves to real life mental health concerns in the future. Sure. You know, if you're constantly getting and receiving that external va- validation, that accolade for being, you know, part of a smaller community within, 
and you're always on the receiving end of those little dopamine spikes in new followers, likes, et cetera, comments, sympathy, um, messages of support, then eventually that dries up. What then? Mm. Well, then exactly what Mike said, then you will have mental health problems and you can be authentic. It's like Pavlov's dogs. You're getting <laughs> yourself to acquire, like to, to get validation from that specific behaviour. Mm. And, and again, the other ironic thing is in our space and coaches, we're almost trying to discourage people from banking on the external validation. You know, we're trying to encourage them to use those and rely on those inner resources. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like we can't do a podcast on quotes with Amelia in the room and not have this one. Brené Brown. I wasn't going to reveal who said it. Emma. Oh, sorry. The quote is, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change. Tell us about it, Amelia. So underrated. Didn't we redo this quote on the plane? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) In an awful week. Yeah, it was like, shame is the one thing that can motivate you into (laughs) hating yourself enough (laughs) to change. Yeah, yeah. it's a classic. It's, I mean, it's the I read it in her book about five years ago and then I didn't understand any of the research around shame at that point or weight stigma, which is a lot of the reading that I do now, obviously. Um, but it's this this idea that shame is one of the worst human emotions that we can feel. I say worst as in the most toxic, challenging human emotions that we can feel because it feels like, you know what shame feels like. You just want to curl up and die and you don't, you can't. It, you just can't you kind of freeze in the moment because you're like I'm so embarrassed and this is horrendous and it's been so often used as a tactic to try and force people into doing things and it's the complete opposite we know that for example like if we take weight stigma which is an example of shame weight stigma stifles people from for example going to their doctor checkups from physical activity from losing weight it has the opposite effect and yet especially diet culture thrives off shame and so I've learned the quote I think she was talking about I don't know relationships or whatever but then I realized how it impacts like dieting and stuff so that's where yeah I have it I have it in the IQ don't I Mm. put it everywhere I love it yeah I I think it's a really good point I kind of see shame in a slightly different way like I don't think it's felt as much in the moment it's just that underlying constant like there and I think that's a it's really hard to be like truly present truly happy when you've got that like underlying feeling of shame Mm -hmm. but yeah I can see how that it just makes it and again like that feeling is horrible and it's hard to change from negative feelings like if you don't particularly like yourself then it's hard to do things like it's hard to invest in yourself whether that be financially or time or effort or energy you just don't want to do that and if you think you're a crap bag like how are you going to believe that you're able to do it and we do it to ourselves we do it to ourselves all the time people who have overeat one night and then they wake up in the morning and weigh themselves why are you doing that you're doing that to shame yourself into thinking that that's going to impact you whereas if you went onto ESG's page any Monday and saw scale weights are supposed to fluctuate you can say this is not going to help me I'm not going to do that I'm going to read this post and send it tomorrow I'll weigh myself and say like we subject ourselves to so much shame it's so easy to say like okay this person on Instagram called all of these people who are overweight some horrible name that's all very shaming but 
when we look at our own behaviors and the way that we speak to ourselves it's like are you actually taking ownership for the way that you speak to yourself and the way that you shame yourself because when you call yourself names you're shaming yourself and we're quick to jump on other people and quick to criticize other people for for shaming people but it's like well you do it to yourself every day Mm. and And as much as like a lot of self-deprecation is like meant to be funny and stuff and we'll probably all do it to, to an extent like doing that when you're actually internalizing that isn't helpful and I think even if you can't if you're like yeah whatever like it impacts other people like if I'm calling myself a pig for eating a little bit more then Amelia's gonna be like well we had the same dinner like does that mean I'm a pig as well like I think even if you don't care enough about yourself in the moment to change that behavior like you you would especially when your family's involved or what you're saying around your kids etc etc like it does as much as it's meant to be a joke it does influence other people negatively it's definitely something to call yourself out on i genuinely think one of the um best self-development lessons that i've learned is is how damaging self-deprecation is because self-deprecation was like i I mean it's still like i still struggle not to do it i do it all the time like because it's so it's so like inherent and underlying in so much of the things that i do and in my sense of humor and i've always thought it was just part of who i am and I have never, and I never thought it was damaging until I made an effort to stop doing it and noticed the difference in how I actually, in what I achieved in that time. Um, and it's quite frightening, really, because I, I think, again, it's another one of those examples of a lack of self-awareness when you think you're very self-aware. You think that you're in control of it, but what you can't actually, um, or what you are usually underestimating is how much of an impact your words are having on it. So if you're constantly saying, like joking about yourself and taking the piss out of yourself, you will start to believe that you are rubbish. A joke. It's basically working on on the neuroplasticity of your brain, isn't it? You know, you're setting up a sequence of things. I think this is an interesting conversation because I don't think a lot of people have an awareness of that emotional granularity. Like if you ask people to pinpoint how, how they're feeling at a set time, apart from distinguishing between like happy, sad, frustrated, angry, you ask people what does being embarrassed feel like and how's that different to be feeling ashamed? They couldn't tell you a lot of them. That's why I think these conversations are helpful, especially when we use quotes like that in, in the health space, because um, if we can't spot it in ourselves, how can we spot it in other people as well? Yeah, we use, I don't, and you'll probably know this, but like that kind of idea of like umbrella terms, and in our day-to-day life, it's just that we only ever use umbrella terms. And it's like, this is one of the things that I say when I'm talking about supporting nutrition and kids. It's actually one of the best things you can do to support relationships with food with your kids is to stop them from using umbrella terms and work on that emotional granularity. It's one of the best things you can do because they can start to vocalize what they actually feel like. And then it removes a lot of the emphasis on coping like food, for example, to um, support that. I think like one thing that I try and get like really encouraged to do is journal but like a step beyond that is not just like how did you feel today sad like again it's this it's like what do you mean by that like asking yourself three times what does that mean like okay it's not sad it's actually I felt a little bit like I'd let myself down okay why did you like and then you get a little bit deeper and then that's what's actually useful and that's how you sort of develop your own emotional granular whatever the word was <laughs> but, um there's a there's a few different versions of it but it's often represented as that little pinwheel that plot chicks or the genova emotional pinwheel yeah in which kind of like they, the, the iceberg letters 
just yeah. like that. Exactly yeah. like that. Can I just show you this? Well, no one that's listening to the podcast. So um, Amelia got me a card. She says that she actually <laughs> made it herself. I don't believe it. But it's got an iceberg lettuce on it. Can you see? This is yeah, that's made with heart, that is. A lot of thoughts got into that. I love it that. It has. It has. That's how good of a feel. Very love. <laughs> Can I ask one more question just before we move on from from that quote? Because I think this is something that Amelia has explained to me quite succinctly in the past. And I think it might be something good for people to hear. Because I went through a lot of my lifestyle change believing that actually shame was helping me, as in the more I kind of you know feel ashamed of behaving badly when it comes to food in air quotes the more I am then likely to not repeat that behavior again. Please may you explain why people think that that is a good motivator, but it actually isn't. That's a great question. Have I explained this to you before? Yeah. Um, and succinctly. And suc- and succinctly. <laughs> I feel like succinct is not my strong point. Um, oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of how to verbalize that. I might be great at this. Because I think it spawned a lot, actually, from diet culture a lot, in terms of at least for like us, it's the it's the productivity, grind harder, um, hate yourself into change narrative. Even though if you look at the psychological research, that there's like this um, theory of change called uh, Gestalt's theory of change. It's like only when you're content with where you are, the paradoxical theory of change, only when you're content with where you are, are you able to change? Carl Rogers said that as well. And it's about being completely content with where you are, are you then able to change, which is like the opposite of being shamed, right? So even though, and that dates back to, I don't know, mid 1900s, late 1900s, maybe like 80s or something. So that came first. So there's something that's happened from like the 80s into now we're at 2021 that's changed. And I honestly think that diet culture is a huge, a huge part of that. And their narrative of obviously, if you shame someone, they want to buy from you. That's what diet culture is. Like, that's what, that's how they made all their money. Let's make people feel as bad as they can about themselves and make them feel like that's normal. And then they have to pay us money to achieve, to, to get what they want. Um, and we'll keep making them feel bad. There's no, there's no rationale behind it other than that's, what we're told and so we believe it i don't actually know what the genuine i don't know if anyone else can tell say what you think the actual rationale behind it is because i don't know other than diet culture and and these companies same as beauty beauty magazines and stuff if we make these people feel crap they'll pay us money yeah it's pain points yeah same as like really shitty business advice like you need to figure out someone's pain point and like essentially and and it's normally vulnerable people that fall for those things, which makes it even worse. But yeah, you're you're essentially saying like, these are all your insecurities. I can help you fix them. So it's just capitalism. So That's- you think that we've just sort of got used to associating shame with positive change. And so we've yeah. almost become just accustomed to that. So we think that it's helping us when actually it's probably yeah. hindering us more than we realise. I don't know if it's almost just like the really basics of, like someone who's overweight knows they're overweight they don't need to be told that but I don't know if sometimes people are like oh yeah you, I don't know I don't know if it's that simple but I think it's more just capitalizing on people's vulnerabilities yeah thank you yeah um I'd like to end with one of my personal 
favorite quote oh before you do that can we just do a quick fire round because as we're doing overrated underrated i just thought we could just do general things like what yes. do you think is overrated and what's underrated an example each so for example i think nando's is hugely overrated agree new girl as a tv series is massively underrated mm. i think it's great but i also think it's quite hyped up Ooh, okay. I agree with I agree with what you're saying about I mean I I really like some of New Girl but I I think it's I think it's not as funny as everyone thinks it is I do think that Nando's is perfectly rated. Mm. Sorry, you are rate, a Nando's fan. I rate Nando's rate like super high. It's overpriced. But, you know what I have to say it's been it's been variable recently and I don't know if it's Brexit or the pandemic or what but Nando's has and they've removed a lot of my. And I, I would like an example from each of you, please. I will give you an okay. example. Underrated pretzels on a plane. Oh, preach. Okay. They are underrated. They were very good. Their flavour to pretzel ratio is spectacular. The only thing that was very disappointing is I'm pretty sure there was four. Yeah. Four. It's like the smallest packet I've ever seen. And do you know what? If you want to lose weight, plain food. Like <laughs> the tiniest portions I've ever experienced. And overrated? Um, come back to me. Oh goodness. Okay. Oh, oh no. I feel the pressure. Um, Mike, if you've got any, feel free to go. I'm gonna go overrated. Um, hobnobs. They're, I just oh, think it's the most disagree. Disagree. Yeah. Yeah. No, everyone disagrees. That, and that's my point. Everyone really loves them. I think they're in okay. Like in a cup of tea. Yeah, but you like like custard creams and... I love all biscuits. I, I love just, them. Just yeah, not, you would like hobnob or a custard cream. I would have a custard cream over a hobnob. Oh. We're no. done. Better for dunking into tea. Sorry. No. And underrated? No. Yeah, I yeah underrated. underrated. You might have to come back to me on that. It can one. be anything. Jeez, I didn't think. I thought this would be easier than the quotes. Underrated. It's supposed to be a light-hearted finish. Underrated. <laughs> Healer. Yes, I've been called a sociopath in the past, and now I found tequila friends. Mike's thinking. <laughs> this well, makes for okay, underrated. The OC. Oh, yes. Yeah. Agreed. Totally. Actually, you know, normally you watch stuff back after years and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I was into this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and that's coming from me who do doesn't really watch TV. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I thought that was going to go smoothly and it didn't. I well, threw you all a curveball. I didn't warn you, did I? No. That was the problem. I apologise. I've ruined your birthday, Emma. I'm so sorry. Ruined the whole podcast. <laughs> Mike, what was your finisher? I mean, it was going to be quite a long one from, like it needed to be from a 90s song, didn't it? So I think we will go with Did you're it? free to do what you want to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I believe children of the future, teach them well and let them lead the way. It's one of my favourites also. Everybody wear sunscreen. Classic. Life is a roller coaster. <laughs> Just Again, another classic. Yeah. yeah. Take from that what you will, people. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. It's been lovely to catch up again. 
and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Ha <laughs> ha.